Welcome to the I Am Persuaded podcast with Travis Shelton. Our desire is to provide weekly encouragement and biblical truths so that you too can be persuaded that He is able. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Now, let's hear what Pastor Travis has to say. Welcome back to the I'm Persuaded podcast. Thank you for joining me for each episode. I do truly hope and pray that these short podcast episodes have been an encouragement and a blessing to you. That has been my prayer all along as I started this podcast, that they would just encourage you and the title that you would be persuaded that Jesus is able in your life. But I appreciate you all more than you know, and thank you for you. Thank you for being faithful to listen in to each episode that is posted. And so I've received several questions over the past few weeks, and I appreciate that very much. And my plan is to get to them in the upcoming episodes. And so if you have any questions, continue to send them in. We could always use more questions to answer on the podcast. And thank you to those of you that have sent them in, and my prayer is to get to them in the next couple of weeks and months. But I've received numerous questions regarding eschatology, which is the study of end times. And so my plan is to start that soon, and that'll take a couple of episodes. It'll take us a couple of weeks just to get through all of that material. But before we get into that topic, I received a question that I thought would be a good question to answer before we dive into eschatology, before we look at the tribulation, before we look at the Antichrist and the second coming of Jesus and the rapture and all those things, before we look at those, this question I think should be answered, and that is regarding Satan and demons and what are their role in the world, what role do they play now, where do they originate from, and questions like do they actually exist? If so, what are they currently doing in the world, and even possibly what are they doing in my life right now? And so I've said in previous episodes that with with a certain topic that we're dealing with, there's just so much that could be said about a certain topic that we have to just do a survey of it. And so that's kind of what we're going to be doing with Satan and his demons. It's just going to be a survey. There is so much more that could be said regarding Satan and Lucifer, uh, the same person, but regarding him and what he does and his role, and also regarding demons and what they do. And so my plan was to make this one survey episode, but I think with the material that I have, we're going to have to split it up into two weeks uh, worth of episodes. And so it'll be one on Satan and then one on demons. And so this one today will just be simply on on Satan and his role and what he's doing currently. And so we'll look briefly at that on during this episode. And so many Christians that I've heard, and I use that term Christian lightly by what, by what I'm about to say, they, they try to teach that Satan is not actually real. Some, some people People will say among Christian circles that he's just an imaginary figure that people have made up in their minds and that he's just a figment of their imagination. Someone to cast all the blame onto, someone to say, well, this is the reason why I'm doing this and he is causing me to do all this. And let's just go ahead and get that out of the way and understand this. That's not true at all. If we're Bible-believing Christians and we believe every word in Scripture and we believe that the Holy Spirit, while he was inspiring the writers of Scripture to write down Scripture, that they included Satan starting all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. And as we read our Scripture throughout the whole Bible, Old and New Testament alike, we read about Satan. We find him in Revelation, the very last book of the Bible. Jesus also mentions him over 20 times in the Gospels. And so Scripture affirms that Satan and demons are real and they're active, and they're, they were working in Bible times, and they're working in our lives today 
So some might ask, who is Satan? And what does the Bible teach about Satan? And so the Bible actually tells us that Satan was actually created as the highest angel in heaven. He was the archangel. He was higher in heaven than Michael. And so Ezekiel chapter 28 verse 15 says, Thou wast perfect in thy ways, and from the day that thou wast created, till iniquity was found in thee. And so that chapter is writing about Satan. It's talking about him. And so it says, Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day thou wast created until iniquity was found in thee. So we find from that verse that he was created without sin. He was created like the rest of the angels. He was created most likely before the creation of the Garden of Eden, definitely before mankind was created in in God's creation process. But Satan was created perfect and had a high standing in heaven. And some verses allude to the fact that Satan was the worship leader in heaven. He led the music and the worship in heaven. And so he was a big deal to say the least. But sin was found in him, which is what Ezekiel 28 says, and that resulted in Satan being thrown out or cast out of heaven. And so you say, well, what sin was Satan guilty of that got him and the demons thrown out of heaven? Isaiah chapter 14 verses 12 through 17 specifically is debated on whether or not it's referring to Satan or just the king of Babylon, but many believe it applies to both. And so if that's the case in this passage, let us take these details that it describes for us and apply them to the life of Satan. And so in Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 12, he's referred to in the original language as the morning star. And so we know from studying our Bible that Jesus himself, is called the morning star in Revelation. And so that's indicating the original plan of Satan, which was to counterfeit God's plan. It was to counterfeit who God was. He wanted to imitate God. He wanted to be God. And that is exactly what he tried to do, was take the place of God and be God. He was so prideful that he wanted to have all the power and authority of God, the one who created him, till he tried to overthrow God. And that's the sin that got him cast out of heaven. But in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 13 and 14 specifically, speaks of five I will statements that teach us about Satan's plan to sin, Satan's plan to counterfeit God. And so he spoke in those two verses, five statements, and I'll read them. It says, number one, I will ascend to heaven. As an angel, he had access to heaven, but this statement goes further than that. He is meaning he has a strong desire to occupy and settle in heaven on equal or higher terms than God. And so when he says, I will ascend to heaven, he's basically saying, God, I'm going to overthrow you. I'm going to be equal with you, or I'm going to be greater than you. The second I will statement, he says, I will raise my throne above the stars of God. This could mean he wanted to rule over all of the angels or rule over all heavenly bodies, but nevertheless, he was seeking power and authority to be the ruler in heaven. Then he says, I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. This teaches us of Satan's strong desire to govern and to rule the universe. He wants to be in charge. His desire is to be sovereign like God. His desire is to be all-knowing like God. His desire is to move the chess pieces and orchestrate things in the universe and in the world so that he is ultimately in charge and the one that is governing every decision that is made. The fourth I will statement says, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. This teaches us that he wanted the glory 
that belongs only to God. And so in everything in our life, we know that God is the one that gets the glory. God is the one that gets the praise. God is the one that gets the adoration. But Satan was jealous of that. Satan was jealous of the angels praising and adoring God for his character and for who he was. And so he says, I will ascend above the heights of the cloud, basically saying, God, I'm going to steal your glory. That's my plan is to steal the glory that's been given to you, and I want that to be given to me. The fifth I will statement, he said, I will make myself like the Most High. And here we see his plan completely clear as he states what he's truly after. He was seeking to be as powerful as God. He wanted to be the one in control of what God had control over, which is everything. And his sin was a direct challenge to the power and authority of God himself. So Satan's sin was he wanted to be God. And that's what he came to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3 and said, hey, if you eat of this, you're going to be like God. And so that's what he's guilty of all throughout scripture is he wants to counterfeit what God has and he's trying to be God. And when God realized what was going on and God's sovereign, so he knew it from the creation, but he knew Satan would do this and it was all part of the plan, but he had to remove him from heaven. He had to cast him out of heaven because we find in scripture and revelation that nothing will enter heaven that will defile it. That goes for us and that goes for the angels. And so Satan, just like you and I, had the free will to choose whether he would sin, whether he would choose to act upon this counterfeit plan to overthrow God's kingdom, and he chose to do it. And so in choosing to sin willingly, like us, that resulted in him being cast out of heaven forever. And so Satan plan, Satan's plan was clear. And throughout other passages, we know that Satan just wanted to exalt himself to the place of God the Father. He wanted to be God. And so because of his sin, God was forced because God's character demands justice and demands righteousness and demands holiness. And so therefore, he had to kick him out of heaven. So Satan once had perfection, but through pride and arrogance, he willingly sinned and then was kicked out of heaven for all of eternity. That had now he's faced with an eternal basic basically a death sentence was placed upon him and the demons that followed him forever. And so we'll get into demons in the next episode, but what what are demons? They are the angels that followed Satan in the fall when Satan was kicked out of heaven. They chose to follow him and rebel against God and chose to go after Satan. And so we're going to break down the different parts of Satan's current role into a few different categories. We're going to look number 1 at his relationship to Jesus, his relationship to God the Father, his relationship with unbelievers, and then lastly, his relationship with believers. And then we'll talk about just a few names that are given to Satan in between these. And so first, we're going to look at the role between Satan and Jesus Christ. And so they are now enemies, just as God the Father and Satan are enemies. They're enemies just like Jesus and his righteousness and his word are enemies with the world. And so this animosity was first predicted all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. That is the very first time that Satan appears in Scripture, and he comes in the form of a serpent. And so I believe it's in the last episode or a couple ago, we discussed part of that chapter in great detail, the curse that was placed upon Satan. And we've also looked in episodes here a while back uh, about the different tactics and, and ways that Satan tempted Eve and tempted Adam. But after he tempted Eve and Adam, they willingly sinned. And so then God pronounced a curse upon the snake, Satan, 
Eve, and Adam. But there in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, is where the war was really beginning. It's where the, the curse was pronounced upon Satan. That's when the Bible says, God said, one day you might bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. And so that is when Jesus actually waged war on Satan was Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. And so one of Satan's names that is given to him throughout scripture is little g God of this world or cosmos. So don't miss that. Not capital G God, not God ruler, not God Jehovah, not him who is ruler over everything, but he's given the name as little G God of the world or of the cosmos. He is called in Ephesians chapter two, the ruler of this world. And so basically what that means is right now, the earth or the cosmos is his dwelling place. And God has given him currently rulership over this world. So Satan is in partial control, control that God has given him. And so we know that God has complete control over Satan, but God also allows him to rule, and I say that loosely, rule over the earth currently, knowing that God is the ultimate ruler. But when Jesus actually did appear on earth, he tried, Satan tried to ruin the plan of salvation many times by many different people. If you recall in the Gospels, Satan entered into Judas during the betrayal near the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. But the most prominent time we see Satan trying to ruin the plan of salvation is in Matthew chapter 4, the first few verses there. And so when Satan tries to tempt Jesus Christ three different times trying to make Jesus sin, he was trying to cause Christ to sin and prove that he in fact could, could not defeat him and save the world. And so he remembers all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 where the Bible says that one day Jesus is going to crush your head. And so what he's trying to do in the Gospels is cause that not to happen. And so we know that all three times Christ refuted Satan with Scripture and did not sin, proving that Satan, proving to Satan that Christ in fact was sinless and he was going to one day crush his head, just like God told Satan in Genesis chapter 3. However, Satan could not. He was unable to prevent the work that Jesus had come to earth to do, which was to die on the cross for the sins of mankind. And I'm thankful for that. Satan tried his very best to cause Jesus to sin. Because if Jesus would have sinned, it would have forfeited the plan of salvation. Jesus could not have been that perfect and sinless and holy and righteous sacrificial lamb because he would have sinned. And so I'm thankful that Satan was not able to do that. And so Jesus still was able to go to the cross. Jesus was still able to defeat death, hell, and the grave. And so then, moving on, we see the relationship that Satan has with God the Father. And it's similar to that of Jesus, but different at the same time. And so we know as Christians that God has established a kingdom that offers Christians peace, joy, hope, love, forgiveness, grace, mercy, eternal life, and so much more. But Satan's biggest attack against the Father is to offer a counterfeit kingdom. And Brother Mays Jackson used to say that everything God has made, the devil has made a counterfeit. And that statement is so vitally true. Satan attempts to make things that are godless and promote them to be the same or better than God's original creation and God's original design and plan. So if you look at Genesis chapter 3 again, he told Adam and Eve that they would be equal with God if they just ate of this fruit. Again, trying to offer them a counterfeit or a false hope. 
And so Satan's ultimate plan is to be like God and to be God, and he knows that will never happen. It's been pronounced upon him 6,000 years ago. That will never happen. And so he attempts to make things seem like they're of God, but they're really not. Satan today is working to offer counterfeit Christianity with prosperity gospel and different things like that. And he is using people that claim to be big inside of the evangelical church or using the term Christianity loosely, but he's using them as pawns. Really, all that's going on is Satan is deceiving people through those people. But Satan's masterpiece, his counterfeit masterpiece will be revealed during the seven-year tribulation period, which we're going to look at in upcoming episodes. And that is when the Antichrist will be revealed, and many, many people will be deceived into believing this false hope or this lie that the Antichrist will offer peace, will offer help, and will offer hope. That will be Satan's masterpiece and his one last final attempt to counterfeit God and his kingdom. It's the Antichrist, the against Christ. And so that's his plan is to be against God, against Jesus, and try to fool as many people as possible into believing that this Antichrist will cause peace and promote hope and healing. First John actually tells us that the spirit of Antichrist is around today, so we must be very careful what Christian leaders we listen to and make sure that we're studying scripture for ourselves to make sure that we are knowing for sure what we're hearing is the truth of God's word. So Christian, my word for you right now is to be very careful what you're listening to, what you're watching, because Satan is deceiving and Satan's one goal is to create a counterfeit for everything that God has made. You look around the world, God has made true joy, true peace, true comfort. Satan comes around with alcohol and substances and says, if you take this, then you'll have peace. Then you'll have joy. You can drink your pain away. And that's just one small illustration of how Satan is trying to counterfeit the kingdom of God, how Satan is trying to, to give you a false hope in a world that he has somewhat control over, wanting you to believe that way. And so it's not true. So be very careful. Even what you listen to and people that claim to be Christians, it could be prosperity gospel, being deceived by Satan to lead people astray. And so be very careful, Christian, what you're listening to and what you're allowing to fill you each and every day. The third one we see is Satan's relationship with unbelievers. Second Corinthians chapter four and verse four says, in whom the God, little g, of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So Satan's main agenda with the unsaved is very simple. He wants to keep them unsaved. And so if you're an unbeliever listening to this podcast, whenever, Satan's main goal for your life right now is to keep you unsaved and to drag you to hell with him. He has placed what 2 Corinthians chapter 4 calls a blinder over your eyes and over the unsaved eyes. And so he has blinded them from seeing the truth of the gospel that they're sinners and need a savior. Again, he does this mostly through the use of counterfeit religions. The number one way he blinds is causing unbelievers to accept an alternative way to heaven apart from Jesus Christ. And so we as believers know that Scripture says Jesus is the only way to heaven. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by Jesus. But Satan will make people think through a false gospel that their good works or even church membership or 
baptism or even Buddha or a false god, believing in something, that that will get you to heaven. Some people have bought into the lie, into the lie of Satan that, that claim, as long as your good works outweigh your bad works, then you're good and you get to go to heaven. Satan has deceived some by science and, and evolution and things like that, making people think there could never be a true God. And so he does not care what you believe as long as unbelievers stay unbelievers. He wants to keep the blinders on so that, so that he remains in control of their life, their actions, their lust, and everything that goes along with that. And so we know through scripture, and we touched on this in the episode of what is the second death, we know that hell was not created for mankind. Hell was created and intended for Satan himself and all of his demons to go there after the great white throne judgment. And so Satan knows that his eternal home was not prepared for mankind. It was not prepared for you and I. But he wants to take mankind with him to prove to God that he can deceive more and more. So his main agenda for unbelievers is to blind them and to keep them as unbelievers. And so you might be saying, well, how can we remove the blinders? And so that verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, says this, In whom the little g God of this world, Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, least the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Listen, unbeliever, if you're listening to this today, you do not have the power to remove those blinders. I do not have the power to remove the blinders that Satan has placed upon you. But that verse is clear. There is a power greater than Satan. There is someone stronger than Satan. He alone is Jesus. He is worthy, and he is very much capable to remove the blinders from those that are unbelievers. So Christians, we should not stop preaching Jesus because the power of the gospel is strong. The power of the gospel is stronger than any sin, and he is able to remove the blinders from the unbelievers and make them believe the gospel. Once he, once he removes the blinders, they can believe the gospel and see their need for a savior. So his main agenda with unbelievers is to keep them unbelieve, un, unbelieving by keeping blinders on their eyes and causing them to go with him into eternity and not with Jesus. The last relationship that we see is with us as believers. So just as Satan tried or tested or tempted the Lord Jesus Christ, we're no exception. He does the very same to you and I each and every day. So we as believers can classify Satan as the tempter to us who believe. And so we know that through the tempting, God can be proving that we're faithful. God can be working in our test and in our temptation and grow us. But also some of the temptation that we face is simply for Satan to try to make us go astray from Christ and his plan for our life. And so Satan knows that as a believer, he cannot take us to hell with him. He cannot remove our salvation. And he also knows that we as Christians, we're called to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he will try to tempt us and make us not share the gospel through anxiety, through depression, through mind games, through worry, through doubt. And so he, because if we're sharing the gospel, we're sharing the good news. And when we share the good news, Jesus is working and the blinders of unbelievers are being removed. And so know this child of God, 
If you're feeling the unwavering hand of temptation by Satan, he wants to silence you. He wants you to walk in sin. He wants you to be identified by sin so that the world will not listen to you. That is why it's so vitally important for us as Christians to stay rooted and grounded in the Word of God so that we can fight off and overcome the temptation when it does arise. And trust me, it will arise. Another name that is given to Satan in Scripture is, to us believers, he is our adversary, which means our accuser. So what he desires to do is go and tattle on us, basically, tattle on us believers to God the Father and try to get our salvation revoked. And so we are sinful people. That is our nature. Our nature is to sin because all the way back in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve, that spiraled mankind into the sin cycle. And so Every case that Satan builds against you and I, it's airtight. He's right. He has his evidence that we're undeserving of heaven and we're undeserving of righteousness. And so he takes his case and he takes it to the Father to try and make him find us guilty. But I'm thankful for our advocate. 1 John chapter 2 tells us that we have an advocate, which is Jesus Christ the righteous. Jesus is our advocate. So though Satan might be our adversary, He has a lot of power over us. He is powerless up against our advocate, which is Jesus Christ. So just like Satan goes on behalf of the Father to try and make us be deemed guilty, Jesus goes on our behalf to the Father to plead our case and to give us forgiveness. And so once the advocate goes on our behalf to the Father, he explains to the Father that we have accepted his blood and his sacrifice, and in light of that, we are deemed forgiven over and over and over again, never to lose our salvation, but we're now justified in the sight of the Father because of the advocate, Jesus Christ, going on our behalf to the Father that worked out our salvation because Jesus paid for it. Then lastly, we'll close here. Satan is working to constantly devour your testimony as a believer. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 says that he's walking about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The word devour is the same word used in the Old Testament when the Red Sea swallowed up the Egyptians. So it paints a very vivid picture of Satan's plan for you. He wants to completely drown you so that you do not have a testimony. He does not want you shining the light for Christ in his dark world. So he will unleash every demon of hell. He will unleash everything that he has on you as a believer. Also that your testimony and your character as a Christian is drowned or it's ruined. Christian, Satan is real. He's alive and he's working today to drown you and render you useless for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So my word for you as we close, stay alert, stay watching, stay studying and praying so that when temptation comes, and trust me, it will, but when it comes, you are prepared to choose Christ and his righteousness so that you can not give in to Satan, but obey scripture and obey Christ and the spirit that's working in us. Because when you're so close to Jesus, he fights the battle for you. So I hope today this has clarified just what the role of Satan is in the world right now. We talked about with the second death. Friend, there's coming a day. And we're going to look at it again when we talk about eschatology. But friend, there's coming a day when Satan and all his demons that have persecuted us, that have tempted us, that have tested us, that has tried to drown us and devour us like that lion. There's coming a day 
when he'll be cast into the lake of fire forever and we get to spend forever in the presence of Jesus. So friend, look forward to that. Look forward to Jesus. Look forward to him and you getting to live in heaven forever because that's all worth it. And so keep fighting the good fight. Keep preaching the gospel because there are unbelievers in your family. There are unbelievers at your work. There are unbelievers at your school. There are unbelievers in your community that has blinders right now. And Satan's goal for them is to keep them unbelieving. So you do your part. Preach the gospel more fervently this week, and I'm praying for you. As always, have a great Friday, and God bless. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the I Am Persuaded podcast, please consider subscribing and share with your friends. We pray this is a blessing in your life. God bless.